Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. I am your host, Technicia Day. Today is July the 23rd, 2019. And as a month, children are getting ready to go back to school. So I hope everybody is getting up on all those good sales out there because it is time. Mine's go back August the 5th. Some already started earlier than that. I tell you, when I went to school, you started way after Labor Day, but now they're doing things totally different. It's like, whoa. But glad they're going back. Mine will be eighth grade this year, so yay. Anyhow, I have a great show going on today. Great guests, as you always know. I have guests from all over. But this woman here is a visionary educator and a spiritual innovator. She comes from an elective background that spans the USA, Israel, Sweden, and France. Her rich life experience includes careers as a fashion model, founder of an alternative elementary school, counselor, speaker, and author. She is the creator of the Expansive Community, a membership for change makers who are committed to creating spiritual material, abundance in all areas of their life and in the lives of the people they live, work, and play with. She holds a doctorate degree in transformative learning from the California Institute of Integral Studies and lives with her family in Sonoma County, California. So all my lovers out there who love Sonoma Chardonnay, this is where you go. Um, But anyhow, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Anna Gatman on the Bright Side with Technicia. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Hello, Technicia. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm doing well. I'm so so glad to have you on. Um, Interesting topic for your book, especially, because that's what we're living in today. We're living in a material world, but you try to live a spiritual life at the same time. And it's kind of hard because you live in... You want to live, some people like to live in the flesh, but you're trying to get over into the spiritual world. You're stuck in the fence and kind of don't know which way to go, but you're here to teach us a little bit on that. First and foremost, I'd like to ask, what led you into writing this book, living in a spiritual, living, wanting to live in a spiritual world, but you're still living in this material world? Right. Well, I... Um, in my 20s, I lived in Paris and worked as a fashion model and lived a very gratifying material life. But um, I am mission-driven, and I felt empty inside, and I was looking for something else. And so I went back to school in California and got a doctoral degree in spirituality and education. And you'd think by then that I'd be really content because now I was spiritually fulfilled and emotionally fulfilled, and I raised a family, so... But I was still feeling the pull between the material world and the spiritual world because living in Paris for 10 years, I'd learned, I'd come to appreciate the beauty and the love and dedication and spirit that goes into any craftsmanship. And the French are famous for it. If it's baking, if it's cooking, if it's gardening, if it's architecture, anything. And so I was torn because maybe you're familiar with this belief that I had kind of taken on that in order to have a spiritual, to be truly spiritual, you need to give up material pleasures and live a humble life with no material desires. Sounds familiar? It does. Hello? It does, Anna. Okay, yes. Yes, Anna. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, and so there I was torn between the spiritual world and the material world, being told that spiritual things are where everything is at and material things are here today, gone tomorrow. And I was experiencing elation and transcendence through material experiences, through the beauty and creation of other people. Um, you know, if you listen to a TED talk, you get so inspired. You, you listen to your radio show, people feel connection, they feel inspiration, they feel qualities that we consider to be spiritual. And yes, it's a radio show, so it's so-called a material thing. So I kind of had to find a balance between the two, and I just realized at some point that everything material 
has a spiritual source to it. And so in a sense, the material and the spiritual are not separate. And so when you said okay. earlier on, you know, we're trying to live a spiritual life, but we're in this material body and on this material planet, it's, we've had this misconception that the spiritual is more valuable, the material has no value, but we're here, we're stuck in our bodies and having a material experience when, in a sense, everything material is an expression of source, is an expression of the spiritual reality. And so they're interconnected. And they're wondrous. Both the spiritual is wondrous, but also the material. And so that kind of led me to do my doctoral study on it and write a book about it. And here we are talking. Wow. Now, now with, with your personal life, growing up in a alcoholic family, how, how did it figure into your work? Um. Well, the way that it figured into my work is that, <clears throat> sorry about this, um, you know, I, I grew up with a stutter, with a heavy stutter. I was redhead and freckles, which was uh, not popular, and so I was mocked a lot, and I had learning challenges that weren't diagnosed in school, and then I had a, an alcoholic and raging family. So I grew up with a lot of pain and loneliness and feeling feeling forsaken, and that this is what life is. And so then, <clears throat> through life experiences, I kind of, I was offered different opportunities to grow into a larger version of myself. And so then I had something to compare to, the suffering I had as a child, and then becoming a fashion model, which was the last thing I ever thought I'd become. But suddenly I, I was um, invited to become a, a larger version of myself. And then my studies, I became a larger version of myself. And everything I did, my parenting, my career, I, I tapped into larger versions of myself. But I always have my childhood to compare it to. And so it, it, my childhood, in a sense, as much as I don't wish on anyone to suffer, has been this contrast that has helped me um, understand other people's suffering my own suffering, and has allowed me to go from feeling depressed to feeling bliss and elation. And to know the two, I feel, makes me and you and anybody else a more whole person because we know the full human experience. Right. I mean, and I mean, also had this shift, and it, and it seemed like it probably just, just by luck, but they can actually change their quarter of life. You don't have to continue on destruction, even if your life starts off in destruction, because we, we know some people had childhood memories that were not so delightful at all, but you don't have to go down that same path. A lot of times people choose to go down that path, and then they'll go back, oh, well, my parents did this and that. Okay. We we all probably had, excuse my mouth, but we all had shitty parents sometimes. We all had a lifestyle that <laughs> yep. wasn't perfect. But at the same time, you're an adult. And I, that's why I tell people now, you're an adult. You're held responsible. Yep. You can't keep blaming what happened to you back then. Yeah, sure, it wasn't so good. But now, what about now? You're in your 30s, you're yep. in your 40s or 50s. You're going to keep blaming that? Um, and, and no offense, I love my husband and everything. But some things he'll blame, and I'll be like, well, now you're grown. You're, you're grown now. You can't keep going back to what your mother and father didn't do for you or didn't teach you. You're grown. There yeah. are no more excuses. Yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. But, but um, you can always use it as a resource, right? You can always use it as yeah, a resource you because you have something to contrast. Because when you know what suffering yes, is, you can help others who have been in the right. same place that you are, right? And you can say, I've been yes, there. I know what you're going through. And this is the path right. forward. Right. I do agree with that. You don't don't on it, but it helps you to reflect on it so you can move forward or to be able to tell somebody else this is what I did. So now you can do this of how I came out of it. Yeah, so I do agree with you on that, Anna. Don't don't on it and linger, but to use it as a growth process to help others understand this. That, yeah, 
So I definitely I agree with you all the way on. Um, Anna, how did you go from being an international fashion model to to gaining to writing that book about spirituality? That's two different things there. Um, I know, what, what but yeah. Yeah, what caused me, well, as I said, you know, life gave me the opportunities to have a very material life, very external material life as a fashion model. And then something inside me drew me to have an inner spiritual life and get my doctorate in spirituality and adult education and to live in the contrast of the two. Again, the contrast really kind of helps us to choose between good and bad, right and wrong, what's right for us. It's in the choice and in the contrast. We live on a planet of duality, but the duality allows us to know what we want and what we don't want. And so, you know, I, did, I, I didn't plan on this. I didn't plan on becoming more spiritual, and I definitely didn't plan on becoming a fashion model. But life gave me these extreme experiences so that out of that I could come and go like, okay, <clears throat> we don't need to live in the split that we learn so much from spiritual teachers to just value the spiritual, ignore the material. We're destroying our planet because we don't value the material world. If we began appreciating the sacredness and the wonder of the material creations that we do, we'd have more respect for them. We wouldn't discard them as easily. We'd feel more fulfilled and satisfied because we'd see the spiritual hidden value in every material thing that we touch and engage with. So, you know, you don't know what life's going to give you, but I, I made the most of it. And through these extreme of a very material life and a very spiritual life, I came up with this realization that we have to make peace between the two. And that's the way forward. Yeah. yeah and how does, how does one even get into spirituality? I mean, do they have to go to church? Do they need to find a higher being, get into meditation? Yeah, well, from my perspective, as I come from the spiritual material balance perspective, I think that the, 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 the first step is to consider yourself, to take a look for a second at yourself in relationship to the planet and even the universe and to see yourself as a point of consciousness on this planet. You and I and everyone, we're a point of consciousness on this planet. And as a human being, we have the capacity to travel between the spiritual and the material, between imagining and creating, between visioning and manifesting. This is something that the human species can do. And so by realizing, okay, I'm a point of consciousness on this planet, I am a portal that can travel from the spiritual, the non-existing yet, right? The behind the scenes, the ideas, the, what Deepak Chopra calls the, the, the field of pure potentiality. And then we can manifest it. That's how we go from spiritual to material. And so that's the first point is to realize that each one of your listeners, each one of us is this portal for spiritual wisdom and its material expression through our unique personality and life calling and visions and dreams. And so, you know, then the book and exercises in the community that you mentioned earlier is where we practice going from the spiritual to the material. You can do it through meditation. Mm -hmm. There's different ways, but they're very simple, practical ways. But step number one is to realize you are a sacred being. It took billions of years of evolution to get to this moment. And in this moment, you are here and I am here. A unique constellation, a unique field of intelligence that's here as part of a whole and is here to do good in the world, to do our part in our world, as small or as big as it is, but to make a difference. That, I believe, is the first step, that realization and awareness that we're not forsaken, that we're not just another human being. We are this portal for spiritual wisdom and its material expression through our unique personality and vision and purpose. Okay. Now, I, I hear you on that, Anna. Um, but in your opinion, do you think that one can actually just find true happiness 
without seeking spirituality at all? Um, you, no, I, I think that we need both. I think that that's the, that oh. we need both. That if we are just, if we just go into the spiritual, then we find, we find joy and happiness in meditation or, it, you know, going to an ashram in India. or We find that. But really, the role, we're here to have a human experience. And the human experience has a physical component and it has a spiritual. We are the creative force on this planet. So we need to travel from the spiritual to the, to the material. So if you just have a material experience, you're missing out on half the human experience, which is the spiritual, right? All the non-physical, mm-hmm. the joy, the transcendence, the inner peace, the service, doing good in the world, self-expression, everything, your own power. Um, but if you only live in the spiritual world, and you only go for meditation, and you're not really bringing the spiritual wisdom into the material world, which we each need to do in our daily life, in our meetings with our colleagues, with our families, in our self-care, whatever we do, we need to bring that in. So it's not, it's not enough to be in one or the other. It really is when we're aligned really in both, that's where... Um, where we feel true fulfillment and abundance and happiness. And we do that by, by living our calling, our unique calling is when we are aligned because our calling calls us to our highest self, our, more ex- our, our most expansive self. And that's when we are in our divinity or in our spiritual heart. And then we need to express that divinity in our unique way in the material world. And that's where happiness lies in in the balance of the two now i now i have heard of this too that you don't even have to know that you're in that state of mind of spirituality to be spiritual right yeah i mean i i didn't know that i was spiritual you know until i had this awakening in a workshop where mm-hmm. i realized oh, oh my god i thought that spirituality or speaking to God was something that the priests do and the rabbis do and something that, you know, I can never do. And suddenly everything crumbled from me that, and I realized that we each have access through our own divinity to the divinity of everything on our planet, because everything on our planet has a material expression, but it has a spiritual divinity, a sacredness. And so do we. So people access it sometimes when they're conscious and aware of it, but people do it without realizing it. We are spiritual beings having a material experience. So we can be spiritual without knowing it, right? But it's just like if you can random light a fire or if you know how to light a fire, that's the difference. Some people know how to light fires randomly. But if you know how to light a fire, you have the technique for it, you have the formula for it, you can do a lot of things. You can create an entire civilization, right? So it is helpful to be aware because the more you're aware, the more ground zero becomes you, you start, you, you expand. You expand your consciousness and your capacity, your potential, and your impact. But for sure, we're all having spiritual experiences Without knowing it, nobody teaches us about it in school, and most families don't teach us about it either. No, they don't. Uh, that's almost like a curse word. You will not get them to say anything of that sort, right. like you said, especially in schools. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a curse word, right? Anna, it, it is. It is. And that's amazing how they don't they don't talk about it. Ain't nobody asking you to preach and get all to the Holy Ghost, but you know, I think children do need a little insight on it. Um, now, there are some common myths about spirituality that you challenge. Can you tell us what those are? Okay, so there is a few, and one we've already talked about, and that is that the material is here today, gone tomorrow, and the spiritual is the only value there is, um, where actually everything material is an expression of the spiritual. It wouldn't exist. I've if there wasn't a spiritual vibration or idea behind it. 
So that's one myth, that they're split and that we should value one over the other. Another myth is that, um, you know, spiritual teachers have all the wisdom. And we're sitting, you know, in halls and asking questions and the spiritual teacher answers. And then we sit there and we hope that something, some spiritual wisdom will, will come our way. Actually, we can each tap into the same wisdom that a spiritual teacher or a sage and luminary taps into. And we do that by the four keys that I talk about in my book. But basically, all spiritual experiences have this expansive component where we expand our consciousness. And I know it sounds like a big word, but I, I explain in my book very simple, practical ways that you can do on a daily basis to expand your consciousness. And so we can tap into that. And when we expand our consciousness, what I discovered in my research is information becomes available for us that was not available a second ago when we were in a more restrictive and rational state of mind. And that's knowledge and that information is intuitive. So what we need to do is expand our consciousness, then just lay easy kind of and relax into an attentive listening and then intuitive guidance comes to us, either through an inner prompting, a gut feeling, an inner knowing, uh, or through synchronistic events or miracles outside. And so that's another myth, that we can't do it. We have to go to the teachers for it when actually we can tap into the same source. Everyone can tap into the same source that the big teachers um, tap into. So that's another myth. And the third myth that um, um, I've come to realize since the writing of my book, because my work has obviously evolved since my dissertation and my book that came out two years ago, and that is that we're looking for our life calling, that, that our life calling is really the essence, like that's the centerpiece for us. And that people are desperately looking for their life purpose or calling outside as if it's outside there and we haven't found it yet. And that it's some occupation and something like world peace or stopping world hunger, um, something really grand. And actually, each one of us has an essence, a quality, a word or two, which describe the essence of who we are. And it's already inside of us. And there's a simple exercise I do in my workshops where you can find that word or two and suddenly you can see people light up because they found the core of who they are and that is our calling that it has an essence which is spiritual and now you can take that quality and that word and start to express it in your material world and so your calling again has a spiritual component a material one it's not out there You've already, it's already inside you. You don't have to keep looking forever for your calling. Nobody teaches us about that. But there's a fallacy there about, you know, doing grand things like world peace. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not living my calling. Where in fact, just like there's an endless variety of species of plants or animals, there's an endless variety of qualities that we each bring. So, there's a businessman I worked with, and his qualities were clarity and direction. That's how he made his good decisions in his business. Well, clarity and direction are really important for anybody on their journey, on their spiritual journey, in their financial journey, in their parenting journey. So clarity and direction, you, you don't think of that as a calling. But it is. It's the essence of this person's calling, and then he can start expressing it wherever he wants, in businesses, as a parent. So that's a big, like that's my biggest these days, my biggest, um, my biggest focus is to help people find the essence of their calling and then help them practice that essence in all areas of their life because it, people are just searching in vain for a calling outside and are just lost and feeling terrible that their life has no meaning and purpose. And so that's what we do also in expansive community is, is discover the essence of your calling and then practice it in different areas of your life. Okay. I like that idea, Anna, helping people to understand it better because like you're saying, most people, most people are searching. They are, and they don't have a clue. 
to which way to go. It sounds so confusing when you're talking about spirituality. It sounds like on a whole nother level, like a book. But what between being religious and being and, and being spiritual? Because I hear most people say, "Well, I'm not spiritual, but I'm religious." So I hear the opposite. I'm not religious. Right. I'm spiritual. So it's like, okay, what what's really the difference here? Well, you know, the ultimate of religion and and spirituality is to have an experience of the transcendence, to have an experience of the unfathomable, to have an experience of our divinity and the divinity all around us. That is world religions have developed around that. And modern spirituality, individual spirituality is all about that. It's about having a direct, unmediated through a rabbi or a priest or a shaman, just to have your own experience of the wonder and the divinity, the sacredness of everything, yourself, ourself, and everything else, nature and human creation. And so some people go for this subjective experience of God or of source, of, of this wondrous um, sacredness. They do it on their own path in, in spirituality. And then some people have chosen to do it within a group, and that becomes, you know, through your faith. But organized religion in, the, in, in its origin or in the mystical tradition of every religion, it's really having this direct experience of the divine. And what religions have become, instead of, of teaching people how to do that, is really telling you how to live your life. These are the values of this religion, abide by them. It's really about how to live life versus about how to have a direct experience of your own divinity and of the divinity of another person and of a tree and, and of the stars. So that's the, the difference. I think that, that, that people are drawn more to spirituality today because spirituality tries to, is attempting to, to teach people how to have this direct experience. And that's definitely what I try to do in my book, with the four keys is how to have these direct experiences versus organized religion that's telling me, okay, this is how you should live and this is how you should never live. And if you do that, it's bad. And if you do that, it's good. They, they, they've lost, I think, their way, but still you can have a spiritual experience within your faith or outside. And that's what the four keys do. You can do it um, um, regardless of what uh, practice and faith you follow. Oh, I'm sorry, Anna. I had a little disconnect yes, there. Um, I lost it. Yes, um, I yes, was basically, please. <laughs> I was basically, um, I was just talking. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, there was no error <laughs> in there. But um, I love the fact that you don't stick to traditional basis. It's not saying that, hey, you're terrible if you don't go this pattern, if you don't go down this path. I, I love it. But now how are people actually responding to your unconventional approach to spiritual material balance? Well, people feel a relief because when I go to a speaking event, they're expecting me to tell them again how they're living such a material life and how lost they are. And in a sense, they go like, oh, wow, I need to start seeing the sacred in everything material in my life. It's a great way to sort out the junk in your home is to look at every object and to go, does this have value and meaning for me? If it does, keep it, but keep connecting to the value and meaning it has. Just don't have it there as an object. And if it has no meaning and value, it's time for it to go. So you could have much less things in your life if you appreciated the value of them. So people feel like, oh, I'm not going to be told once again that I'm not spiritual enough, that I have to give up my material life or my mainstream life in order to become a spiritual. No, 
stay wherever you are exactly. Just become aware of the sacredness in everything that you do, in yourself, in other people, in, in, in everything else. So people, there's a relief that people have. And then the four keys really help people in very simple and practical ways um, to tap in to this more expansive, enlightened version of themselves, which always feels like a woo-woo or very amorphous and unclear, how do I do it? And so in the book, I give a, you know, concrete examples of how you can expand your consciousness so that you can both live the life you're already living and yet tap in to the sacredness of the life you're already living. So overall, people are really enjoying it. And, and then I think that the calling is really the key. If people are going, oh, my God. Okay, so the calling is the center point. And when I know what the essence of my calling is, meaning the spiritual aspect of it, and now I know how to express it and I can practice that in my life, I feel I, feel, I, I know where my place is in the scheme of things. And so there's a peacefulness that comes and a sense of contentment that people are experiencing because they know who they are. They know where they come from. They know where they're going. Exactly. And for many people who are not spiritual, who are spiritual but not religious, I mean, spiritual experiences, they can come from unlikely places all over. So I, I definitely... I definitely take upon what you're doing is very grand and most tremendous in in all aspects of life. Thank you, Technisha. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, right, to make our planet right, it is. a safe place for all of us. There's a lot of suffering going on. There's a lot of cruelty and madness. And so you do it – You you know, with what you do, and each one of us does. And so I appreciate, um, you know, because we're, we're each kind of working hard to make our world and the world a better place, right, for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our children. And we each have the, the responsibility to do it in our own small way even, right? So, yeah, right. It, 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 it's been a pleasure to be on your show and to be able to share it a bit and to hear your perspective. And so thank you for that. Right, and this and this this is a great topic because I know there are some people who probably sometimes like me, I don't feel comfortable in the church setting. It's it's always not my scene. I will go but then I'll end up not attending for months and then leads into a year. So church has never been my thing. My, of course my mom growing up, Hey, let's get to church, let's get to church. Hurry up, gotta get ready. Yeah. You know, it's always a Sunday thing, gotta go. Bible study. Yeah. And that's not always the thing. Like, okay, I'm not really feeling that. Okay, I, I, yeah. I'm just not. No, it's not that I'm evil, or like most people would like to say, like the older tradition, modern people would like to most say, you're evil. No, I'm not evil. It's just I'm not commune or, or tend to like the uniformity of the practice and beliefs that you all cultivate to. So, you know, um, yeah. no, I believe yeah. in a higher like belief. I do yeah. believe in God. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that we're wired. We are wired to have a spiritual experience and and express our spirit and and in our material world. And if someone can do it by going to to, to church on Sunday, then that's wonderful. And if somebody can do it by meditating by themselves at home, that's wonderful. And if somebody mm-hmm. can do it by by being an entrepreneur and creating something that's really wonderful and serves other people, and that's how they do it. I mean, it's really about tolerance, right? Tolerance and acceptance and, and, and dignity for all. Right. I, I agree with you on that. Now, there are some – now, most of the time, I know that you probably go through some struggles dealing – You well, not struggles – but dealing with the people who you deal with, there are some struggles that they go through. Um, what are some common struggles that you find that all of them deal with? Um, again, people are searching for their calling, for their life purpose. That's, I think, the biggest one because mm-hmm. we are in an era of searching for meaning and purpose. And the world, you know, ecology, I mean, the world is being destroyed. Our systems, the educational system, economic system, you know, 
social system. Everything is just, it's both crumbling and holding on, trying to hold on to old ways. So people are really looking for meaning and purpose. Because the promise once was, you know, you'll just, if you have more things, you'll be happy. And that didn't work. So people are searching for meaning and purpose. And so that's, I would say, the number one thing. The other thing is people who are trying a spiritual path, like, for example, meditation, countless people that I have spoken with, that I have worked with, that feel bad because they're unable to meditate 20 minutes a day. You know, you think 20 minutes a day, what's the, the big deal? And they're unable to do it. Or when they do it, their mind chatters because the only way to meditate is to empty your mind 20 minutes a day. So again, it's like all these false, these fallacies, these very narrow fallacies. Like this is what meditation has to be. If you're not doing that, you're not meditating. You're not really spiritual, okay? If you, so a lot of people struggle with, with, with meditation. And so, again, I, I show the many different ways to expand your perspective and your practice and what a spiritual practice is. There's so many ways. I mean, for example, even, right? So if you decide, you could pick equality for the day. You could pick, pick compassion today, delight tomorrow, uh, enthusiasm the day after, inner peace the following day. And every day, the quality that you pick, you ask for this quality to show up in your life today. So you ask, let's say, for enthusiasm to show up today. And so I do a prayer in the morning where I say, I ask to connect with a quality of enthusiasm today. I ask to perceive enthusiasm wherever I go, in other people, in other creations, in everything that I come across. And I ask to express enthusiasm today in everything I do. And then you can take your timer because we all have a smartphone, right? So you can, on your watch or on your phone, you put the timer for three times a day or for every 30 minutes. And when it rings, Mm -hmm. you stop for one minute and you say, okay, how can I express enthusiasm at this moment? Because that's your focus for today. Or you say, where do I see enthusiasm right now in the people that I'm sitting with in a meeting or in a creation? I mean, you can see enthusiasm like their products that they just emanate delight and enthusiasm. Somebody had fun creating them and you go, oh, this just makes me, it makes me happy. So you can practice enthusiasm one day and inner peace another. And then you use technology, your timer, to stop and practice that quality. That is going to get you and develop you spiritually. You're going to grow spiritually as much as if you try hard to meditate 20 minutes in the morning and are unable to empty your mind and your thought just chatters and you feel like, okay, so... We need to expand our perspective on what spirituality is, what spiritual practice is. And so that's just an example of what you can do and what I teach people who feel like, okay, I cannot stick to my meditation practice. So I say that the calling is a big thing, um, spirituality, meditation, how I can meditate or what my spiritual practice looks like. That's a, a big pain point for people. Um, I think that these are really the two, the two big ones. Uh, and seeing ourselves as, um, as a point of consciousness, because we think that spirituality is out there. The teacher has the answer, just like we think the calling is out there, something I just haven't yeah. found it yet. And in a sense, right. it's inside us, right? And so that, that's yeah. why you can go to church and find it inside you. The, the, there's a famous... Um, um, sentence or quote that says the map is not the territory so church is not the territory it's the map to get you to the territory meditation is not the territory it's the map that takes you to the territory so everyone can find their own map what's going to take them to the territory of divinity of sacredness of awe to ourselves to other human beings and to the planet yeah, because I love the fact that you even said that, you know, most of the times we think that we have to go to spiritual teachers, and I think 
because most churches they promote that misconception um, that oh you got to have this, you got to go up on a mountain somewhere, try to live in like the monk. No, no, and you're actually telling like and and, and my guess my listeners all could vouch on this that I have had other spiritual healers on here and they have said the same thing like you too, Anna. You ha- you can find it within yourself. The spirituality is right yeah. there. You do not have to go to you don't have to go to somebody who looks like they're a bald headed monk. <laughs> not trying yeah. to make jokes there. Yeah. But you yeah. but you don't. And that, that has been a misconception that you you might have to go off to school to take theology and all that stuff. To, exactly. No, you, yeah. you don't. You just you got to find it. You have to find what works for for you, but you do need it. You need your personal development. Yeah. You need your you need your spiritual development. And my um see that what that's why I need it. I I definitely I will vouch for myself. I do need the spiritual things because a lot of times yeah. we be thinking we could do everything on our own and we don't understand what's actually going on or why it's not working because you're not finding that spiritual calling. Um, and I, I appreciate you for being here because it's just making me acknowledge that I can't go on without having that. You, I could do all the yeah. personal development that's fine, listen, listen, round, but I need this, Anna. So I appreciate you for giving us the access, the the methods to help us gain all this, that we need this knowledge, this wisdom that we could possess yeah. our own. So those, those, right. are, those are things that we definitely cannot run from. Anna's telling yeah. the truth. I've been hearing it for so long. I know you guys out there have been hearing it for so long, and you know you need it. We all need it. Anna, I want to ask yeah. you, how did you come up? You, you spoke on the four keys. How did you come up with the four keys? Was that something Ooh, that's that was a good so question. spiritually? You know, that was something when when my when I had kind of my spiritual awakening and, and, and my beliefs about spirituality being, you know, like God is up in the skies and far away and I can't reach God and you know, I'm definitely sinning and, and not living a spiritual, pious kind of spiritual life. When everything began to crumble, I began to realize that I was having spiritual experiences all the time, just like you and your listeners not like I'm a unique person. We were all having moments of grace and of beauty and of delight and of compassion and of empowerment and of service. We're all having them all the time. And so, you know, it was a process of, oh, my God, everything, all our belief system crumbled. Then I realized that I'm having spiritual, I've had spiritual experiences throughout my life. I just never called them that. Then I said, well, if I'm having them, everybody else is having them. And so then I began to, study, first of all, my own experiences. Every time I thought, okay, well, this is a spiritual experience. This is now, I'm having a moment of gratitude. What's happening in this moment that makes it a moment of gratitude instead of the moment before, which was just, you know, I was just cooking or I was just driving and I wasn't thinking about anything. And I began to realize that there, there are universal principles that move us from a kind of ordinary or rational or constricted mindset to a more spiritual mindset. And I realized that the first thing that occurs is this expansive presence. We feel that we are part of something larger. We have more life-affirming and loving thoughts, and we have feelings that are more kind towards ourselves and towards others. The minute we have that, we're in the first key, which is an expansive presence. You see, it's not something huge that you need to do. It's something small where you feel a shift. And so I began feeling the shift from ordinary state of of being to an expansive state of being, just a small shift in my thoughts, in my bodily sensations, and in my feelings. And so I realized, okay, well, that's the first key. And I began studying and seeing that all teachers and all sages and saints, they reside, right, in this inspired state. They're just living in this expansive state. Oh, my God, you and I can do it too. So that became the first key. And then I just realized that, wow, once I'm in this expansive state, I gain insight to information that was not available to me. As I said before, this intuitive knowing, this holistic knowing that just shows up in a flash. And it's like, wow. Why didn't I think of that before? Ooh, that is great. It solves all the problems on this specific thing that I'm focusing. So then I realized, okay, well, the second key is attentive listening. 
It's not working hard. It's listening attentively to information that comes through in non-rational ways once I'm in this expansive presence. So attentive listening became the second key. And then it was like, okay, now I have some guidance and some insight about what to do. Now i got to go do it. Otherwise, we're, we're just meditating all day. So the third key became the manifesting key, right? That became inspired action. And so that means that now I got an intuitive insight or some gut feeling. You know, and it can be a gut feeling about closing a deal or buying this house and not that house. We're not talking about things up on a mountain. We're talking about daily things where you're moving from a spirit, from, from a mundane state of mind to a more expansive, therefore spiritual state of mind. So the third key became inspired action, how to stay inspired as you go to manifest your goals and dreams and the insights that you just got a second ago when you were in the more attentive listening. And then the fourth key became the faith-filled knowing, because as you start to expand your consciousness consciously, and then listen attentively, and then receive inner guidance or outer promptings that move you forward, and then you act with inspiration, you begin to have this miraculous, wondrous relationship with the universe. And you realize that the universe is guiding you, and then you act upon it, and then you pivot a bit to the left and a pivot to the right, but you realize that you're not forsaken, that you are truly part of this interdependent web of life. It's not just a term that's fashionable. It really is an experience. And so the fourth key is really about building your faith. It's faithful knowing that you are part of a web and that um, the universe is in relationship with you, that you have the power to change things, move things, and you are moved as well, like the butterfly effect, right? One thing happens on one side of the planet, and then there's a hurricane on the other side. Well, we have that same power. And so faithful knowing is really the fourth key of building your faith. So the more you believe that you have this power to be in charge of your life and to be in relationship with life, the more you become aware of synchronistic events, the more you notice miracles, they're there all the time. You're just not noticing them when you're in a constricted state of mind. But when you're in an expansive state of mind, you notice synchronistic events. You notice miracles. And you go like, wow, this is magical. I'm being supported. And then you move forward to the next thing that you need to do, right? And then you get insight on mm-hmm. that. So, so that's kind of so I studied my own experiences and came up with this four universal principles of how to have direct spiritual experiences and how to act upon them in the world. And then I worked with other people and I did my dissertation on this and the book. And so that's how, that's how they came to me from really studying myself and working with other people. Well, I hope everybody grabs that and you take a note on the benefits of those four keys and what they'll actually be doing for you. It's going to help you to live that spiritual life and that mental, because you need all of it, that physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual life. These keys are going to help you to be able to conquer all of those uh, and have your perspective on things that you didn't even think that you knew of. I'm telling you, it's going to probably open up so much for you. You'd be like, wow. But take it all at one day at a time. You don't have to go. You don't have to um, go crazy with it. Um, now, Anna and I, we talked about the the misconception about spirituality and spiritual teachers. We talked about the four keys. We had a little bit of exclusion about her lifestyle. Um, so, Anna, give an example of how a seemingly material pursuit may be spiritually fulfilling. Oh, spiritual material. A spiritual material pursuit? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, I mean, let me just take something really small, okay? You're making sandwiches. You're, you're making lunch in the morning for your child, okay, who's going to school, okay? You wake up an hour before. 
and, you know, you're getting ready, then you kind of wake them up. Many of us have gone through this or know of that experience. Um, That feels like it's just a very material thing, right? We're just doing sandwiches or whatever they have for lunch. But if you stop and you say, okay, what's sacred about this? What is spiritual about this? Well, if you ask people what spiritual qualities are, they'd say that kindness is, that caring is, that altruism, doing something for others is, that creative expression is. And so look, you're making sandwiches in the morning. You woke up an hour earlier. You gave up your comfort and your sleep to take care of somebody else. You make them the sandwiches that they love, maybe with a cucumber inside and maybe some parsley or not, whatever you, you know that they're going to love. That's altruism. That's service. You see, service doesn't have to be world peace or peace in the Middle East. It's like you're now serving your child. So if you pay attention as you're making sandwiches in the morning every day and you go like, wow, there's beauty in the way that I'm preparing the sandwiches. There's love and care as I'm thinking of what my child is going to love. Look, beauty is a spiritual quality. Love is a spiritual quality. Care is a spiritual quality. You're having a full, you'll have a much more fulfilling moment than just slapping those sandwiches if you stop and say what spiritual qualities are present in this very moment that I'm doing this mundane thing that I do every day and then think of your child when they're open the sandwiches and that they've been done with love and care somebody cares for them somebody thought of doing what they love somebody's nurturing them their body their minds look how much spiritual qualities there are in this seemingly mundane moment so you see how more fulfilling it is to wake up at 6 a.m. to make sandwiches for your child, if you pay attention to the spiritual qualities that are in this moment, suddenly it's like, well, I I just had an amazing spiritual experience while making sandwiches. And, you know, that goes for everything. I'll give you, you know, for example, if you're an accountant. So, you know, we say accountant is like, you know, it's a boring job. Well, if you, again, you look at the hidden spiritual dimension, an accountant creates peace and tranquility in an organization. They bring order to an organization. They allow an organization to continue. So they sustain an organization in the sense that if if the accounting is in order and there's peacefulness, then the the, organization organization can continue to flourish and can continue to do good in the world with whatever product or service they offer. So here is a seemingly like mundane task or profession of being an accountant, but you're bringing peace, order, tranquility, and possibility to a company. Isn't that spiritual to bring peace and order and calmness and new growth and possibility for a company. So suddenly, if you just stop and say, what am I doing? What's spiritual about it? Or how can I express express something spiritual in this material thing I'm doing? Suddenly, you join the spiritual and the material, and it is so fulfilling. It is so gratifying. It is so satisfying. And you don't need to feel ashamed that you're too material or that your life is boring or that there's a routine. Suddenly you, you, you bring a sacred moment into making food for your family in the morning or crunching numbers at work. Well, thank you, Anna, for that. Letting you know out there, it's nothing wrong. If you if you do get into spirituality, there's nothing wrong with praising. Don't be ashamed. Don't. Um, now, your book, it's probably differently from most spirituality books that you, and because um, sometimes you get you get caught up, you get lost, you don't know what book to read. We want to go and buy over fifty thousand books, and yeah. we listen to everybody. We listen to everybody. The world works, but and, um, tell how your book is probably different from other titles on spirituality. Well, in the sense that I went, I think that I went to the um, to the core of having. Um, a sacred experience, a spiritual experience, which we're all are seeking, or we are all seeking. We're all looking for an experience of meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And so 
what the four keys that I came up with that I identified are universal principles, and they're very, very practical. I'm not, I know that as we talk and I say expand your consciousness, it sounds, oh, something that others can do, but I can. But in the book, there are very simple ways as you go out throughout your regular routine where you can have this shift and experience the shift in your emotions, in your state of mind, in your state of being. So I think that it, it differs in the sense that it really goes to the core of these universal principles, how to have a spiritual experience in our very material body and material world. It's universal, therefore you can do it, whatever faith, whatever practice you have. This is about having a direct experience of your divinity, of your sacredness, and of the sacredness of everything around you. So you don't need to follow my faith or somebody else. You can stick to your lifestyle and, and uh, use the four keys. So I think that that's where, where, where it differs. And it's very, very practical. I mean, that is, I think, the, the feedback that I've gotten the most from other radio hosts and from people I have worked with. That it feels very practical. It's not... I feel that I'm trying to simplify spirituality for people. So it's really simple versus, okay, another person who is um, another person who who is um, who is giving me all these amazing things about their spiritual experience and how amazing that is. And now I feel again that I don't know how to do it. I my role is to make spirituality really palatable and simple and practical for you, so that you can have Spiritual experience is just like any spiritual teacher. Well, there you have it. Definitely to get her book. It's, I, I, I find your book, it's, it's simplistic. It's not all over the place. It's not making you feel like, uh, it doesn't make you feel like spirituality has to be overwhelming. That's one thing I, I definitely take from your book is, it's making you feel comfortable. It ease you on into it. Okay, let me give you these steps. Then let me tell you what the benefits of these steps are do for you at the same time. It's not like bam, bam, bam. Oh my God, you just because most of the spiritual books, most spiritual books you get, you be like, oh my God, now I'm all over the place. Be making you feel like you just all wrong. But this one, it don't fault you for if you've been a sinner or if you haven't. I, I do. I, I love. I love that. But before you leave us, and I definitely want to ask, where can we get your book from? Okay. So the book, which is called Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. You can, you can ask your local bookstore. You can get it at, uh, online on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can also go to my website, AnnaGatman.com. That's A-N-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N.com. And you can also join our expansive community and be in community practicing tapping into this expansive state, this larger version of ourselves where we're together and individually a portal for spiritual wisdom and its material expression in the world. And the, the well, expansive Anna, community is, yeah, the expansive community, the URL is expansive.community. Okay. All right, I was writing down at the same time. And I thank you so much for <clears throat> for being here and lighting us with this, giving us this inspiration, motivation. Definitely, I hope you listeners are taking heed to that. And if you listen to the replay, please make sure you share it with people. Share the value. That's what it's all about, sharing it. Getting the word out, spread it around. Grab that book. Definitely have it on your bookshelf. That will help you lead the way. But before I leave you, I want to give you the truth of the day, which is this from my friend Mary Ellen Siknovich, who is also a guest on my show. You choose the life you're living. Become responsible for everything you see. See, we talked about that. You are responsible. You choose the life you're living. You can't blame your parents any longer. You are responsible. When you choose a way of living, you must first be honest with the issues that are blocking your path. Now, do something about them. Choose to take back the power you have so freely, giving away to the people around you. Understand you are okay just the way you are now. Most importantly, choose to let go of your painful past in order to create a successful future. Learn to take control of your life by accepting yourself in this now moment. Today, become responsible for everything you see. 
Enjoy the day, everyone. I'll see you next time on the Bright Side with Technicia. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 